The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Over a chapter long, so we're going to read this together. But what we're going to be driving at all day, we're going to be driving at this in the sermon, is what we, we want to get to the point of what I'm going to call doxological awe. We just want to be able to stand back and say, God, you are so good. You are so great. You are so loving to me that all we can say is is doxology, praise to God. So we're going to do this reading responsively because Moses wrote it that way so that we can do this responsively. So I'm going to read the parts that are not bolded. And when we get to the parts in the lesson that are bold, I'm going to ask you to respond and read that with me now. We're on page 10 in your bulletins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants, and Trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it, according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. 
God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water and the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I will give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. There's a a new ad campaign in New York City. Among, I know, (laughs) hundreds or thousands of ad campaigns. I noticed it the first time about a month ago now. I was on Fifth Avenue and 42nd Street in the city. And there was this raccoon picture on a bus that was spewing pollution into our city. And there was this giant arrow pointing at it that said, New Yorker. Have you seen these these new commercials, these new ad campaigns? And then there's this little subtitle underneath it that said, city dwellers take many forms. NYC wildlife campaign. That's what they're calling it. (laughs) I'm not quite sure why out of all the ad campaigns that could have drawn my, my attention that this one really captivated me for a while. Maybe, maybe it's because that a raccoon last summer crawled underneath my deck and died. That was his final resting place. And then it stunk to high heaven for the whole summer. And so I thought to myself, these Manhattanites just don't get it. Of course raccoons 
are New Yorkers. One died under my deck. But then I kept thinking about this. Why would New York City spend thousands, if not millions of dollars, sticking signs on buses that pollute our city to make us aware of wildlife? Is it because that as city dwellers, that we sort of kind of become blind to God's creation? Is it, is it because we sort of kind of just stop seeing plants and wildlife and everything else? I, I think that's part of the answer, isn't it? And, and really, for kids that grow up, I mean, this teaching, this blindness to God's creation starts from very little on. There was a, there was a co-worker, a friend of mine, who, who told me a story about his child who took the gifted and talented test. You know, that test where you have to sit with somebody else and they show your pictures and stuff like that. Well, this child was shown a picture of a cow and then the child was asked to decide, where does the cow live? And this child had only grown up in New York City. And it was shown, the child was shown a picture of a zoo. And also a picture of a farm. And the child, the, the, the tester said, now, where does the cow live? And you know what this New York City child pointed to? The zoo. Because that's what we do with our animals, right? That's what we do. We, we put them, unless it's a dog or a cat or a rat or something like that, we take our animals in New York City and we put them behind bars when it's convenient for us to go to the Bronx Zoo, check them out. So we become blind to God's creation. And maybe, maybe you think, you know, maybe you think this isn't that problematic, Pastor, but it is. Because when we become blind to God's creation, we lose our sense of awe. Not awe of God's creation, but we lose our sense of awe for God. And that's kind of a problematic thing, isn't it? Like, this is our life in New York City. We, we don't see, for example, these amazing mountains that cut into the sky that are snow-capped. We see the Empire State Building. <laughs> and we, we generally don't see eagles that are caught up in the wind that are majestic and, and glorious. Instead, we see airplanes landing at LaGuardia. You don't see them. <laughs> There's birds too, that's good. And instead of seeing like powerful cats that are hunting for their prey up in the mountains, we see feral cats that jump from fence to fence. I mean, this, this is our life, right? As, as New York City, we become blinded to God's creation. And so in a sense, we lose 
are off for God. And the only thing that is awe-inspiring, that is left to be awe-inspiring for us is maybe to see Britney Spears walking down the street in Manhattan. Now, I want you to understand this. I love this city. And this is home for me. I've lived in New York City longer than I lived anywhere else. The reason why I'm telling you all of this is because we need this lesson. As New Yorkers, maybe more than any other kind of people who are maybe planted in a cornfield somewhere, we need this lesson from Genesis chapter 1. Because what we're going to see in this lesson is that God is Creator. And we are creation. That's how the Bible starts. So what Moses says, very first word that God ever spoke for humanity, he said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's creator, we are creator. And we need to know that. We need to know that God made the snow-packed peaks We need to know that God made the soaring eagle and the powerful mountain cats. We need to know that. Because most of the time, we're not thinking about it. In fact, even how we talk about creation is worrisome. Have you ever even thought about this? We actually, the word creation has almost completely fallen out of the English language. You know what we call the great things that God has made? Nature. Because supposedly they're natural. And and that's a nice way of looking at things, right? Because if you don't call it creation, then you don't have a creator. It's just something natural. We even have this nifty-difty little distinction. We have things that are natural and things that are supernatural. As if there is a difference, right? God does supernatural things sometimes, and every once in a while, He intervenes in our world, does something amazing and awesome, and then there's natural things that are just there. Right? We have nature, apparently, and not creation. But let me ask you this. As you think about Genesis chapter 1, was there anything natural about it? Was it natural, could we say that it is natural that there are mountains that are breathtakingly beautiful? Should we call that natural? Should we call it natural that, like they were just there, these bald eagles that soar through the sky and that capture our imagination? Should we just say that it happened by chance that there's these amazing cats in the mountains, so powerful and sly? The fact of the matter is this. Genesis chapter 1 teaches us that there is no such thing as anything natural. There is no such thing. 
Everything, everything, everything. What you see, what you don't see. Everything, everything, everything is supernatural. And you know what that also means? It means that everything, and when I say everything, I mean everything, is awe. Because God is hiding right behind everything. Behind that flower that you see when you walk down the street. Behind the squirrel chasing through the tree. Behind the dog that you love so much. Behind the people that surround you. Everything, everything, everything was made by God. It is supernatural. And everything inspires awe. There is no such thing as something natural. You know what this also means for you then? None of you have any excuse. That's what the Apostle Paul says. He says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what he has made what has been made so that people are without excuse none of you have any excuse none of you have any excuse to walk through life joyless and uninspired and bored none of you have any excuse to walk through life and not notice that god's hand is on everything none of you have any excuse To go through life and not notice the creative and awesome genius of God. None of you have any excuse to pass even one moment of your life without worship and awe in your heart of the Creator who made all of this. You have no excuses. God has made Himself known to you. You know what you also have and this is just as awe-inspiring to me you have a spirit this is verse 2 that hovers over muddy waters this is what Moses said now the earth was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What's he doing there? I mean, it's, it's, it's that point of the account when all of a sudden, God starts caring about the earth more than Mars. Because instead of zeroing in on Neptune or some other galaxy other than the Milky Way, what God decides to do is he says, I'm going to put my spirit over a planet that is formless and empty and muddy. What's he doing there? He's creating life. He's about to do something amazing and bring life into something that was only barren and only chaos and without life before it. 
What I'm trying to say is God's spirit cares about things that are lifeless. But it's not just that. If we trace this history of the Bible, what we're going to see is the Spirit's power didn't stop there in making creation. In fact, the next time the Spirit shows up so powerfully is when the Spirit overshadowed. Do you remember what the Spirit overshadowed? The Virgin Mary. And He brought and wrapped up the Son of God in human flesh, and the Creator became part of the creation. Imagine that. And then God went on to redeem His awesome creation that had fallen. And it would take a lot. God didn't quit on His creation, didn't it? It would take blood. It would take sacrifice. It would take death on a cross. It would take the Spirit rising the lifeless body of Jesus from the dead to make us new. And the Spirit didn't even stop there, did He? He now lives inside of each of you, making you brand new every single day. The Father made you. The Son redeemed you. And the Spirit makes you new every day. Such is God's love for His creation. You know what I think? It's all awe, isn't it? All of life is, is just filled with awe. If we could just open our eyes and see it. Sometimes I think that kids get this better than we do. Maybe we need to become children again. Have you ever thought about that before? Like, your kid calls you over and says, Daddy, Daddy, look at the ant. Look at that ant right there. He's carrying that piece of rain. And, you know, we never would have noticed that. But the kids, the kids, they get it. That is something that is awe-inspiring to them. To notice the little things in life. To see that God is everywhere if you just pay attention. It's something, if we just paid attention, I think, that we'd understand what the Apostle Paul was saying. When he could only speak doxology, he said this, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen.